Hey, guess what I guess what I'm cranking today? It's a rip it, baby. See, here's the thing is that I was specifically waiting till I started recording because it's actually called Rip It Energy Fuel. Rip you see that? Gripped it, it's ripped, and it's citrus, it's coming down. I think we already have B-roll, right? We're using the, the, the live take of me for the B-roll, maybe? Who knows? I think so, yeah. We'll figure it out. Editor Johnny here. I've decided to omit the B-roll because it was just 40 minutes of me laughing with no context because you can't hear the video or David. Instead, I'll leave you with this. My final parting thoughts on Catherine. Take me to the spirit realm, Daddy. I would quit being human for you. Uh, well, should we introduce ourselves? No. Hi, I'm Johnny Bartlett. I'm one of the hosts. Hi, I'm David Baxter, and I am the other host. And today, we're talking about the second half of the Humble Bundle September Humble Choice Bundle. Actually, give me one second. I just realized I never put what else I'm playing. So I just... Because we just started, I realized that I, I do have to go back and go and... Live in three, two, one. Hi, I'm Johnny Bartlett. Hi, I'm David Baxter. That was the first time we said that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, and today we're talking about Humble Choice Bundles from September, the second half. Yes. We have such great titles as Generation Zero. And Strange Brigade. Fun. With ragdolls. Ah, I was waiting for it. Vampire the Masquerade. Cartiers of New York. Editor Johnny here, for once. You know what they say. Every time a bell rings, David pronounces coterie wrong. I hope you enjoy. Catherine, classic. I think it was actually Cotteries. Uh, and Evoland, legendary edition. <laughs> Alright, that's it. That's what we're talking about. Our first game for you is Generation Zero. And this game was wild. David and I played it together on stream. It's a game done by Systemic Reaction. Uh, they also are doing Second Extinction, which is like a dinosaur horde survival game that comes out October 12th, I believe. So if you want Left 4 Dead but with dinosaurs, that's your game. The correct release date is October 13th. Generation Zero is a first-person survival loot-and-shoot game. Uh, and by loot-and-shoot, I mean you kill enemies and they drop loot and you equip the loot, and then you kill enemies with better loot and they drop other loot and you equip the new loot. Wow! Uh, yeah, super straightforward. One of those games. Uh, can I uh, ask what makes this different from, like, a Borderlands? Uh, nothing. It's literally a B Borderlands clone. Like, one for one. Are you sure? I mean, like, I would argue that Borderlands has more fun with the weapons. Yeah, you're right. Okay, uh, what makes this different is that, first and foremost, this game takes place in Sweden, and Borderlands does not take place in Sweden. Uh, and it's like, it's it's dead-ass like the actual Sweden, like the Sweden that we know and love, or don't know and love, in my case. I love it, but I don't know it. Uh, it's, it's like an alternate history version of Sweden, after World War II, in that, like, they made a bunch of robots to help defend the, the country, and then after World War II, at some point, the robots turned on you, and they've murdered everyone in Sweden. And you come back from your vacation, and you find everyone dead to the robots. Hey, by the way, uh, the robots that I was talking about when we were playing the game before, but I couldn't remember, from Black Mirror, it was from the episode Metalhead, that's filmed entirely in black and white. 
It's it's so good. I I enjoyed the game a lot, honestly. I I think there was something really nice about seeing this uh, Swedish culture represented in media, because I as as uh, my dumb dumb American self don't know shit about Sweden, and it was kind of cool to see this like th- this historical representation of a place I've never been that seemed from from what I gathered very accurate in their representation, and that like. Of course, there's not giant robots running around Sweden killing everyone, as far as I'm aware. I can't say I know for sure, but I'm pretty sure there aren't. Uh, fact check me on that. But I was actually checking, because uh, we had a, a person join in our chat that was Swedish, uh, and, and they told us about a, a unique Swedish dish called uh, Svid or Svith, uh, a traditional Icelandic dish with a, a sheep's head cut in half. It looked delicious. And they were, they were actually, while we, while we're on that subject, when we streamed the game, we had, we had a couple Swedish people stop by and they were like talking to us about the sort of like lore of the game and how like all, all of the, the environment is representative of Sweden. Like there are, there are dishes of half cooked meals laying around that are like actual Swedish dishes that you'd, you'd eat and order at Sweden, which was super cool. So like the whole environment is built around Swedish culture and you you collect like gnomes and little like Swedish tchotchkes that like all have descriptions about why they're significant to Swedish culture in them and all the maps have uh you find like little collectible maps throughout the game that all talk about these areas of Sweden and like what their significance was during the war and after the war and I, I thought it was really cool seeing all this sort of like historical information of Sweden just kind of buried in this game that just treats it like this is Sweden. I mean, most of the loot that we found was literally just like ammo and maybe some things for crafting. Exactly. Like that, that was it. That's what the whole game consisted of was like crafting mostly. And it was super cool though. I, I, I really enjoyed it. It was a lot. It was a, a much slower paced loot and shoot, which you don't really see. Uh, and I, I was having a lot of fun with it. There's like, there's skill trees that you level up and each skill tree has its own, like very distinct paths. So playing with friends is really encouraged because it diversifies the play style entirely by having other people there. There were also a lot of mechanics that weren't really explained throughout the game. Like there's field radios and there's also regular radios and field radios. You can use as spawn points and fast travel locations, but regular radios are just distraction objects and they don't really explain that there's a difference between the two or that you can even use field radios to fast travel in the first place. You just kind of have to discover it. Yeah. The tutorial for that is not like super stellar. It doesn't really, there is no tutorial. It's just kind of like everything's thrown in there and it's like, have fun, explore the game, explore Sweden and you'll figure it out. You're, you're adults. You'll get there. And we did. We did get there. We figured it out. Uh, as I said, I can't vouch 100% for the accuracy of, like, the Swedish culture and lore that's put in there. Um, I did a little bit of research, and from what I saw, it was accurate. And from what the interactions we had in chat with, it seemed accurate, if if maybe not a little uh surface level more than anything. But I don't know. I really enjoyed the game. I thought it was a charming look at, like, Swedish culture that I'd never seen, and ne- I, I haven't really seen represented in media or video games before so it was kind of nice seeing something about sweden that wasn't just like oh the dirty socialists are they making it work we don't know but you don't want to be next it was cool to have a game that was steeped in swedish culture without like i don't know throwing the american perspective of the swedish culture in there yeah we we do a lot of fear-mongering about the swedes here especially lately and it was nice just seeing that like yeah they're swedish 
Who gives a fuck? They eat delicious food and, like, protect themselves from Russia's in the war. Like... <laughs> yeah, they had a really interesting culture in the 80s. It looks like a punk and, like, look at that, guys. Wow. It was super cool. I really enjoyed it. Like, I... And I think the game is, like, it's a nice representation of it. It's a nice uh, alternative to some of those, like, more fast-paced loot and shoots, like Diablo or Borderlands or those style of games. It's. I don't think it's quite as polished or quite as engaging, and I would not recommend playing the game alone because you'll spend the majority of your time walking. Uh, I was which about will, to say, that's yeah, my number one complaint. Yeah, the spawn points were far and few between, and the deaths were not quite as far and few between. So it was a lot of dying and walking back to places, which was really exhausting. So doing it alone is just going to leave you with a lot of existential dread. Um, I think. So definitely play it with friends. If you can't find pr- friends to play it with, I- I'd probably say pass on it. But support these developers because they're out here representing Sweden. Mm-hmm. And it was a, just a chill late night game to just talk over and, and play. We we didn't even realize how late it got when we were playing. Yeah, we played till like four in the morning, just like for eight hours straight, just kind of like enjoying it and just like chilling and, and, and having fun while we did it. Like. Yeah, I, I, I think this game is, is great. I think I, I really love representation that's not dumb Western U.S. bullshit. I, I like learning about other cultures and, and other, like, ways they operate. And I know this this game specifically probably isn't the best way to do that, but it, it was it was an entry point to, to Swedish culture, and I really enjoyed that. And I really enjoyed the conversations we got to have as a result of playing the game with... uh with members of that that culture and that community and stuff. Absolutely. I I wholeheartedly agree. The next game on our docket is uh, a game that also we played with friends. Uh, I'd say that this one, though, is significantly less good for finding out about the sort of cultural value. Let's say if you were trying to find out about the cultural value of Egypt, because this is very steeped in sort of a British perspective of the colonial imperialism of the era. Hey, welcome to this strange brigade, developed and published by Behemoth. Hope you don't mind me just switching over there, Johnny. Oh, I, I was gonna, I was gonna leave you a good segue, but whatever. We'll never know what it is now. Uh, so I, I have a question going into Strange Brigade. You <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> say, you say this is the the British sort of colonization of Egypt sort of perspective that, that was yeah, given, yeah, and like sub-Saharan Africa. Um. Was it was it like a, a like a look at that like yay imperialism's good and we solved all the problems by invading Egypt and stealing their relics? I mean, not. I mean, it's 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 in the same way that like you might interpret American Psycho to be like pro American Psycho if you're like that kind of a person. But at the same time, like if you interpret it from like a critical lens, the guy who's like the artifacts belong in a museum has like. 50 gold chains all stolen from museums and most of the things belonging to British museums today were stolen from these places to begin with. So it seems pretty tongue-in-cheek about the whole affair to me, but uh, I don't know. It could also be misinterpreted. <laughs> <laughs> I I thought it was a very satirical look at the whole idea of archaeology and, and shit to begin with. That That's why I lobbed the question to you. No, I appreciate it. Uh, I mean, we should probably get into, like, the gameplay a little bit of it, rather than just talking about, like, the subtext uh, uh, surrounding the game, uh, but I do absolutely love it, and it does fill me with joy, actually, because uh, it, 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 the way that they, they, they tackle it with a narrator who talks like this the whole time, and he is so enjoyable, and he narrates over every single thing that you do. 
And well, I love that too. And the idea of the strange brigade and the whole time he was like, will our heroes get the artifact this time? Find out on next episode of strange brigade. Yeah. And like the whole way that it's structured feels like you're watching an episodic series of like an old sort of, uh, television show. That's like a black and white sort of superhero thing with the narrator. Uh, it's awesome. Uh, I love the aesthetic of it. Uh, the game, it plays sort of like a, a four-player co-op survival game, uh, sort of like Left 4 Dead, except it really doesn't take itself seriously. Uh, it's got some really drop-dead gorgeous graphics, actually. This is by the same people who made uh, the Sniper Elite games and the Z- Nazi and Zombie Army games. Ooh, excuse me. That's the Rip It. Uh, as well as the Battlezone series and the Lords of the Realm series. So uh, they're actually no strangers to making very pretty-looking games, and they've been in the business for quite a while. Uh, this seems to me to be inspired a little bit uh, by sort of like the cannibal exploitation films, like a- a- Cannibal Holocaust, and maybe the Tomb Raiding exploration films like Indiana Jones and the Mummy, but sort of stripped of all of the really hard edge of that and just sort of keeping the, the aesthetic flavor of it. Uh, so it's just this... Fun sub-Saharan romp throughout Africa with treacherous traps and spirits risen from the dead due to ancient curses. And the story involves, like, you know, the usual capitalist pig who digs for treasure and disturbs a bunch of ancient burial grounds. So it's up to the strange brigade to clean everything up. Uh, it's very tongue-in-cheek about, like, the British colonization of Africa. Uh, like I said earlier, like, the this belongs in a museum type of behavior. Uh... <laughs> Shout out to the British Museum. All four characters uh, in the game, though, have a unique backstory and ultimate abilities. So they play a little bit unique, but it's not too different because they all use like the same base weapons. Uh, there's three game modes. Uh, a campaign where you fight through the story while gathering a bunch of hidden collectibles. And those hidden collectibles are very fun because the environments are very detailed and it's very fun to just look through every little detail of the environment to try to find the one little blue pixel. Then you shoot it from a mile away and you leave a little ba-ding and a satisfying little notification. Fuck it, those it, cats. It, oh, fuck those cats. There's so <laughs> many little blue cats that are meowing everywhere and they're so annoying. And every time you kill them, it's like, ah, that's one for the strange brigade. Dogs are better anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's very silly. And I'm sorry to any uh, cat loving friends listening to the podcast. Um, and then there's also a horde mode that's almost exactly like Call of Duty Zombies, not in a bad way, you know, it's just kind of a generic loot and shoot type of thing with a mystery box and, uh, different places to unlock it, potentially a secret, uh, challenge to, or puzzle to unlock in each stage. There's also a score mode where you can accomplish many tasks, uh, while not dying or taking damage, uh, doing things like completing the level under par in order to get a higher score. Those are all like the levels from the main campaign, just redoing them for a like a, a higher sort of arcadey challenge. This is very fun. Uh, I think that it is all right alone. I, I tried it a little bit alone, but in multiplayer, it seems like that's of course where it really shines. It, though the story can take a bit of a backseat if you don't shut up while this, it's actually happening. I'm sorry, I, definitely... I can't stop talking, David. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know. I just like. I was just, like, chilling with you, and I was vibing, and I didn't want to just fucking shut the fuck up and, and just, like, <laughs> and just sit there and wait to just, like, fucking read a letter or whatever. I was just, I'll read it later, you know? <laughs> it wasn't a big deal, uh, but it's just something that you should keep in mind. 
single player just lets you focus more on the story. Uh, shooting the undead, though, is very satisfying. They stagger and react to being shot in very realistic and fun ways. You know, shooting them in the leg, they kind of go like, oh, my leg! In the chest, they kind of stagger back and, and, Ooh! and, and it's always, it's sort of like, I think Rage was the first one that did that in a really fun, satisfying way that they made the enemies react to being shot in, in very interesting ways, like ducking and rolling and stuff. And, and this game has some stuff like that that makes it very fun to shoot. Uh, even when it does get a little grindy and monotonous, especially when playing alone, the narrator does keep you company, and it almost makes up for it. So I'd say that if you have friends, this is a easy get, though it is a little generic for being $60. I feel like it's much better if you get it on sale or potentially in the Humble Bundle. Uh, but what is here is a genuinely fun and polished experience, and you can nab it for cheap, and you will have it uh, a very good time, for sure. Uh, that sounds like a lot of fun! Yeah, uh, I mean, j you know, so some games are fun. So some games With ragdolls! Are... <laughs> <laughs> yes! <laughs> I'm so glad you picked that up. <laughs> uh, a game uh, by Jaden Barnes, and this is Jaden Barnes' only game Jaden Barnes has done. Uh, I say Jaden Barnes because Jaden Barnes is the developer. This is a third-person physics simulator, a uh, sandbox physics simulator, I should say, because emphasis on the sandbox. Uh, the game is... Your, the main mechanic is to ragdoll. You press R to ragdoll, and you press T to respawn. Uh, and that's, that's like, that's all there is to the game. It's fun with ragdolls. That's, like, revolutionary. Yeah! <laughs> uh there's there's like there's like uh, so when you when you drop into the game you go through this very awful tutorial let me tell you. Uh it does lock your movement until they explain how to use WASD. Uh and then like it locks every every bit of thing you can do until the other character has explained it. It it's really it's it's like a 5 minute long tutorial that's unnecessarily long. I kind of enjoyed it in the sense that I was like, this is fuck, like, the, the game was taking the piss out of itself, clearly. Yeah, what the fuck, man? Uh, and, and so I kind of enjoyed this, like, this dumb look of like, alright, you're about to just drop into this world with nothing, and we're gonna spend fucking five minutes explaining to you how to move, so. Uh, it, it, I, I could see some people thinking it's insufferable, but I, I don't know, it was a fun little tutorial. That's, that's it, that's all there is to like, linearness in the game though. After that, you're dropped into this giant world, where you can just build shit. And there's like endless building you can do. There's walls, there's black holes, there's spike pits, there's fucking uh like cannons, there's uh there's an endless amount of things you can do and build and like experience. But the game is the game is what you make of it, you know, it's any of those sort of like sandbox games is that like it it's nothing unless you actually like do something with it, unless you actually build and make and maintain things. There's there's not much to the game other than that, so. Okay, so one thing that I was curious about is just what would make this game better or make someone want it more than a program like Gary's Mod. Yeah, I mean, I I say that in the end uh, of of my notes here is that like I wouldn't recommend this game over Gary's Mod or anything. Like, just get that game instead because there's more to do. There are mods. There are lots of mods. Uh, enough mods that, like, I got, I got bored of looking through mods after, like, a minute and stopped looking through mods. <laughs> uh, but there's lots of mods. There's, uh, you can share and save the worlds and stuff, uh, so other people can build things and you can just, like, import them and play and try out what other people have done. Um, 
so yeah, there's there's that. Interesting. Good to know. Well, it does not have Steam Workshop support. So so if if that's a if that's a a thing you're looking for, it's not in this game. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Nick, can I read this review for you? Oh my god. Thank you, Mr. Awesome Gamer 1000. Best game ever. Oh god! Did you even hear any of that? I think Discord cut it out. Discord cut (laughs) it out. Yeah, (laughs) which was even better because I just saw your face yelling ever. Uh, but yeah, so so there's a level editor and a level sharer, so you can like import other people's levels and stuff. But other than that, there's not a lot to the game. I I'd say get Gary's mod or something like that over this game, unless you like ragdolls and you like ragdoll physics, then like get this one and fuck around with it. You know, you could build a dungeon to make someone go through or something. I don't know. If you if you make a whole bunch and then and then you send them all through a very dangerous looking uh, obstacle course, then that would be uh, be quite entertaining. Could see which ones make it all the way through to the end. Yeah, you could. You could see who navigates through the masquerade of life. Indeed, the masquerade of life, or perhaps the masquerade of death. The next game on our list. Thank you for that little segue, Johnny. I actually let you do it this time. <laughs> Empire, the Masquerade, Cotteries of New York, developed and coteries. published. It, it's 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 Cotteries. It shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not opening this up for debate anymore. <laughs> it's developed and published by Draw Distance. Uh, they've all also published uh, Crown of Horns in the original Serial C- Cleaner, and they are uh, currently in development of the Serial Cleaner sequel, Serial Cleaners, and they've also developed uh, Vampire the Masquerade Shadows of New York, which I thought was just like the Switch port or something, because that's where I saw it, but no, it's a sequel that was released very recently, like this year on the 9th of September. Which is something uh, that I've I've noticed a trend of in the Humble Bundle games is that like a lot of them are it's really good advertisement for sequels and DLC and stuff that's really recently dropping. Oh yeah, like Arbiter's Mark got DLC shortly after we covered it on the podcast. Uh and I thought I was like, "Oh man, that game. There it is. Huh, it's back in the news." Uh <laughs> it always ends up happening. But uh yeah, so this is a visual novel set in modern-day New York City with vampires. Uh, it is inspired by the tabletop role-playing game of the same name, Vampire the Masquerade, uh, which, by the way, does explain the horrible, horrible situation that they have going on with the title. It has both a colon and a dash. What the fuck, guys? What the fuck? You can't do that. That's breaking too many rules. You can't have a colon and a dash. Just choose one or the other. So, uh, you have to manage your hunger for blood, uh, while growing your cautery, which, uh, is another word for, like, family, basically. Uh, it's, it's the vampire word for family. Editor Johnny here again. The exact definition of coterie is a small group of people with shared interests or tastes, especially one that is exclusive of other people. This podcast is brought to you by Webster's Dictionary. And you'll be learning a lot of words in this game, uh, which makes the dictionary very useful. 
It literally gives you a, a vampire dictionary. Whenever you learn a new word, whenever somebody says something you haven't heard before, it, it goes ping, and then it gives you a new entry, and you get to go read it, and you get to find out a little bit more about the world of vampires. And I will say that the longer that you get into this, the more immersed you will feel. It does feel like you're kind of diving deeper and deeper into this world of, like, uh, secret vampirism that's been going on for centuries and centuries. Uh, that's just hidden under the plain eye. Uh, and so it, it has a lot of really interesting ideas. Uh, if you don't feed, the beast will take over for you. So you have to feed at some point, and in fact... Uh, in my game, that did end up happening, where I got taken over, and my character just, at the end of the day, ran outside their apartment, killed somebody, ate him, didn't have enough time to, like, hide the body, and just ran back up to their apartment. So now there's a dead body outside the apartment, and, like, I'm super suspicious, probably. But, uh, I don't know. It's just, like, you have to consider these kind of ramifications for all of your actions, because this is a very choice-driven uh, game. It's very driven by... Uh, your your sort of morality trying to navigate this world of being a vampire either trying to take the least amount of lives as possible or or potentially just allowing yourself to sort of succumb to the lifestyle um it has uh pretty well rendered animated backdrops and the character designs are pretty well uh, i think that some of them are very very good uh not to say that they're all like any of them are bad just that like you know some of them don't don't, don't make me get out of bed in the morning for them they're good enough. They do well, well enough for the game. Each uh, There's three different characters that you can sort of play as from the very beginning, uh, each with three very distinct authored personalities, which I thought was very interesting for a visual novel because very typically they tend to have like a protagonist that serves as a self-insert, and uh, there is no self-insert here. There is like a revolutionary guy who's like all about like anarchism and, and, and redoing the system, and, and, like, you know, he was the first one that I started out. He's the Bruja. He's part of the Bruja clan. <laughs> and uh, I ended up getting him killed multiple times in many different ways just to find out what would happen. <laughs> and there's, there's a, a lot of different interesting little things about that, which I discovered one of the things that I disliked about the game is that if you die, then you have to restart the game from the very beginning. There is no save feature for you to, like, save the game and then go back to a point. So it's a tabletop RPG. Yeah, but, like, it's also a visual novel, and I don't want to have to read all that shit again. I don't want to have to click through all that shit again. You don't <laughs> unlock the skip function until you beat the game once. And I haven't beaten the game yet. And I've started two different characters, and I've read the intro text, I don't know how many fucking times. This is why I nearly dropped the game. It was like, I don't want to have to read the fucking intro shit a million and a half fucking times just to see what's fucking different. Like, and there are some things that are different across the different playthroughs, because, like, who embraces you changes, and that changes your abilities that you have in the different cutscenes. But what happens in the cutscenes, cut and, like, in a lot of cases, is, is the exact same. Like, the exact same person comes to, uh, uh, you know, bring you to uh, a room on your first night, and then uh, after your first night, you get taken to this art gallery, uh, and then you have your fate judged on, and... You know, there's like this whole sequence of events that all of that never changes. N none of that ever changes. H how you get through it can change. And, and, and like you can go through it faster if you decide to just like let yourself get fucking punked by like uh, the guy. And he just like has this three strike system that if you, if you mess with him three times, uh, then you're out. And he beats the shit out of you. <laughs> and if you keep doing that, then you'll arrive at the meeting just beaten, bloodied. And just like visible rib cages showing like... 
but like supposedly that would weigh on your judgment but no matter what i did every time i always got embraced by this sophia langley lady and it never really mattered it seemed like she would always take me in no matter which character i played also it was i, I thought that it would change depending on uh the character that i chose but it was always uh the same lady uh no matter which character or clan that i chose at the beginning uh i should mention that there are two other characters <laughs> Uh, and the uh, second character that I played as uh, was sort of like this, she belonged to the Ventru clan, and so her deal was that she was like this business mogul media empire lady, and so she uh, belonged to this like corporate chain, and uh, she got embraced by like some uh, guy in the corporate ladder, and uh, so her ability has to do with like dominating people with her voice and like commanding people with her presence. Uh, whereas the Bruja guy was all about dominating people with his overwhelming strength and power and speed and stuff. So in that sense, the the tactics changed through the different characters. It sounds like this is a very uh, a very aristoc like the aristocratic look at vampires, right? That like each vampire belongs to a certain clan and they're very like high class kind of control society in a certain way. Vampires. Yeah, and like from the very beginning of the game, you, you're attending high class art gallery parties and like functions with political intrigue and stuff. And you have to choose who to talk to in these parties. You have to choose what you say to them at these parties. And like that adds this whole extra layer of like, well, if I choose the person who's the right person to talk to, but I say the wrong thing, then that doesn't even matter. I could have just talked to anybody, you know, <laughs> and it does incentivize repeat playthroughs. Uh, but I just wish I had that damn skip button for all the things that I've already read because there's so much <laughs> wasted time that it just kills me. <laughs> uh, there's a third character as well that I didn't play as, which is a shame, uh, but he looks really cool. Uh, he's this uh, black artist character, uh, and I, I really want to know more about him. I just didn't have enough time to play as him. Uh, so... I, I should mention uh, a couple minor complaints that I had besides the skip button was just that, like, there, there's this red border outline that indicates whenever you're hungry, and, like, I get it as, like, an aesthetic thing, like, to let you know, but I, I totally would have preferred just, like, a bar. Because, like, it just gets annoying to have, like, a red border around the screen at all times, and it looks kind of ugly, too. Like, aesthetically, because, like, I, they have all of these beautiful backdrops. I just want to look at them. I don't want to have this, like, red border constantly. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. <laughs> I, I, I'm just like... noticing something about your outline here that I have to point out that's really funny. You have some complaints and then a couple things listed, and then you have things I did like and nothing underneath it. Oh, well, the reason why was because I was actually going to type some things, and then I didn't have time because we just started the podcast. Because you were like, let's do this thing. Here we go. We're ready to go. Let's start it. And I was like, oh, uh, shit. All right. Let's do it. Uh, but I didn't have time to put in the things that I like. So let me think about the things that I like. The things that I like are the theming. I, because like, this is sort of taking place in the, in the Trumpian idea of New York City. And the idea of the aristocratic elites and the corporate elites that control and rule everything. But the idea is that the vampires are like spliced in there as this extra sort of added layer of intrigue. So, uh, people can control like mass legions of, of, humans by turning them into ghouls and then they become like work slaves where they can work for the rest of their lives in these dimly lit corridors for like the rest of their time and like you go in there to like uh steal some shit and like no nobody even responds to you actively talking about stealing shit because they're so 
like focused on their work that they can't even pry themselves from it to like for one second to listen to somebody else in the room. Like, and there's sort of an interesting commentary about that. And there's also an interesting commentary about like what a vampire would be like in the real world when it comes to the internet. Um, one of the characters who uh, I tried to get into my cautery uh, early on uh, is a character by the name of Hope. And she's a character who you meet at this like internet cafe and that's where she sets up her, her like her den called a haven uh, in this game. And uh, basically, and this is going to get into a little bit of spoiler territory, so just caution warning now. Skip ahead if you want to not hear it. To avoid spoilers, skip ahead to 34 minutes and 48 seconds. She has this like thing where you enter her, her area, her lair, and then there's a bunch of people talking in a chat room. And you get to enter the chat room and start chatting with them. And I entered with like a silly name, like Porno Collector. And I started chatting with them. <laughs> but uh, it turns out that all of this is just an elaborate test. And, and, and she comes in and she's like, all right, well, thank you very much for, for that. Now, uh, I, now, now I need to like make sure that I want to work with you 100% and all that. Just skipping a little bit of this. She, she has you moderate her chat while she does a snuff like a live snuff film basically on herself because she can regenerate herself and and, and she doesn't and like she's basically like biting herself and like making a show for the camera and, and like uh all of this time you have to like basically do a bunch of like you can either choose to ignore ban or kick people in the chat and you have to choose the right people to ban and ignore and kick at the right moments in time in order to get her to like you which I thought was such an interesting idea. <laughs> uh, but then you find out after all of this, the whole chat room thing was fake. And the entire time she was typing on her phone, she was playing every single character at the same time. Every single person in the chat was her. And she has the ability now, because she's like so sort of uh, dealt into the sort of internet world, that, that she can create entire like internet trends just by herself and her thousands of bot accounts. And the idea is, is that she tries to control the world through social media in ways that See, like older vampires don't understand. I love that. That's such a good theme, and that's something that they're hitting on on to, to totally tangent here on on the boys season two right now. That like this idea of social media and its influence and actual reach, and how you can rebrand or change the thoughts of society by just being really in touch with social media and knowing how to control and regulate something as simple as memes. It's straight up. And, and like, uh, honestly, like, this game really kind of digs into that in really fun ways that, like, I, I super, super enjoyed. And the idea of what power is like in, in a, in a 21st century New York City. Cause, uh, in a lot of ways, like, some of it is, is information. Information is power, but also money is power. And also, like, now this, like, interesting sort of social media aspect. Where you, if you if you can sort of get the wider public on your side, then there's sort of like this influencer angle where they talk about social media influencers in the game, and, and about like the the influence that they have as creators to sort of change world politics and stuff like that. So, <laughs> I think that if you if anything that I'm saying about the these uh, ideas uh, of power structures in society uh, as told through the lens of vampirism. Uh, sounds interesting to you at all like 
take a look at Vampire the Masquerade as a board game for one, because it's an awesome board game. That's what I was but, just about to ask too, is that like, did this game do anything to introduce you to the, to the tabletop mechanics or anything like that? And did it do anything to make you want to play the tabletop game? It did nothing to introduce me to like the tabletop mechanics other than like the choice mechanic that you have to like sort of, you know, consider your actions because they have consequences. It did make me interested in the lore of the universe. And it, in a way that like, I'm not interested in vampires. I never really have been. But the idea of vampires in a modern setting has sort of been reinvigorated by all of the themes presented in this game. And it makes me want to explore them more because the, like, I, I'm now kind of seeing like, the idea of like a corporate elite sucking away money from everybody like that's presented in the game as like a vampire but it's also sort of like 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 that's a thing that exists in our world but like it's just like a modern conception because like what, what, what a vampire is changes with what people are afraid of in every given society and what we are afraid of right now i think is like corporate takeovers and like and 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 big money and and people that like are, are not able to control the sort of overwhelming power of wealth inequality so the metaphor translates really well for modern society. Yeah, in the same way that like like parasite is sort of uh, uh, supposed to be a uh, model for how like the uh, like if you've never seen the movie Parasite by Bong Joon Ho, uh, it has like a, a rich family and a poor family, and uh, the poor family systemically like takes over the rich family's house by like taking over all of their individual managing tasks. But the thing is, is that like they by having them hire out the tasks out to them out to them anyway, instead of like doing it themselves and having like you know the same way of living that they do, they're like automatically turning them into like like parasites or or vampires in a sense, like like stealing the life away from them to to to, to give them sort of something that they 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 seek in return that they they know is sort of bad, but like the, I don't know. I feel like there, there's there's a metaphor there. <laughs> I'm dro I'm dropping it as I'm talking about it, but I, I hope you see where I'm going with it. Yeah. So if if anything that I'm saying sounds fun, I'd recommend this game to you. Uh, it is a lot of reading, so you're gonna have to do a lot of reading. If uh, you know you don't like it, then you might want to look elsewhere. But like it, like I said, like v Vampire had like a mix of gameplay that made me not mind all of the dialogue. It felt just about right to me, uh, where, like, I could just kind of stop thinking for a while and just kind of mess around. But then that also kind of, then there's, like, the cognitive dissonance of that, where in that game you're, like, killing a bunch of people and then saving lives, where in this game you're, like, <laughs> not saving so many lives, but it somehow feels worse. <laughs> I don't know. Because you're only, you're only killing, like, a couple of people a night, but... As opposed to Vampire, where you're killing thousands of people every night, every time that you stumble across a couple of vampire hunters in the alleyway. Sounds like a lot uh, of strange things happen at night. Yeah, lots of strange things. Uh, like perhaps nightmares, perhaps uh, some kind of terrifying dream involving sheep. It sounds like you're trying to do a segue, but I don't have any other games to talk about this month. You're right. Let's just go ahead and go to the extras. Okay, I guess we'll give it to him. We'll give it to him. We'll talk about Catherine. <laughs> we have to. I know we couldn't stream it, but we'll talk about it. Yeah, I'll just get that out of the way right now. Streaming this game is awful. There's measures in place so that you don't spoil or, or stream the story because it's so story-driven. 
uh, that it's like impossible to stream. I mean, it's not impossible. There are workarounds, of course, because the internet exists and people are persistent. Uh, I just didn't feel like figuring it out, honestly. But yes, Catherine. Catherine is a is a game made by Atlas Studios, who also did the Persona series. And specifically, uh, I, I wanted to mention Persona 4 Golden, which is the only one of the series that is on Steam, if you're curious about the Persona series. Catherine is a puzzle game with, like, heavy visual novel and story aspects. Uh, but at its core, it's just a puzzle game. Uh, and the, the, the core mechanic is really straightforward. You just move blocks to solve an ascending staircase to get to the top. It's really easy. You can jump up one block at a time. You can pull blocks back, push them forward, or move them left to right. So you have, uh, an axis, an XY, XY axis, essentially, to work on. Uh, you have one plane. You can move them in any direction there. Uh, if you push a block, blocks above will fall down if they're not connected to the edge of another block. Uh, there are all kinds of varieties of blocks. There's heavy blocks, ice blocks, spring blocks, bomb blocks that you're slowly introduced to as you go through varying stages of the nightmare. Uh, it's, 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 the puzzles are very open-ended. They take a lot of thought in some places, like how to get up exactly. And it feels like the harder the difficulty, the less open-ended solutions there are to the puzzle. When, when you get to very hard, there's like one specific way you have to solve the puzzle and you have to figure out that specific way. But the easier difficulties, it's very open-ended. There's lots of different ways you can figure out how to climb up this staircase. And it's a lot of fun. The puzzles are challenging and engaging and, and really good. And that's it. That's all I have to say about the game. Oh, and between the puzzles, there's, you spend your nights drinking at the, at the, the, oh fuck, what's the name of it? The something sheep. There's a story? Uh, I mean, other than, other than just like the drinking and talking to your friends and trying to save people's lives, that's about it. It's like barely a story, don't it? Yeah, there was, there was really one really fun quote that I enjoyed that was, uh, one of the characters was talking about the media and they said something along the lines of, uh, uh, the, the stories about people dying in their sleep were coming up in the news and the character said something along the lines of, oh, that's just the media pushing their agenda. And the other characters looked at him and were like, you sound like a crazy person believing that, that the media would like lie to make up stuff for views. <laughs> so good. <laughs> it dated the game so hard because that's just like, that is the media. That's what the media is and what they do. I have to adjust my game here. I'm peeking a little bit talking about this game. Let's go it's right okay. there. It's okay. It's the peak <laughs> over. It, it's it's a good one for it. Uh, yeah. So that's it. That's all there is to this game. Just solve some puzzles. It's like a Zachatronics game, basically. <laughs> it's not Zachatronics at all. What are you talking about? <laughs> are you gonna connect it? No, I'm not at all. Ow, fuck. <laughs> Oh god, did you just hit your funny bone? I saw that. Did you just fucking like fucking suplex strike your elbow? <laughs> <laughs> Looked like you just fucking gave your entire body weight up to your fucking funny bone. Oh fuck. Alright. <laughs> Whew. Okay. It's not like a Zachtronics game at all. The puzzles are way different and the story is I mean it hits on a lot of themes, but Zachtronics makes you figure it out yourself. This game does not. It's very heavy handed. Like, to the point where, uh, I did not get to finish the game because games without save files suck. I think we, we addressed this, uh, if not th for the fucking third time. Fuck games that don't save automatically. Every game should save automatically. <laughs> uh, so I had to look up the ending. 
And even even in the ending, they straight up explain the metaphor in the ending. It's like, all right, guys, come on, leave a little up for, to interpretation. It's honestly uh, kind of cheeky how they do it because they're like, all right, everybody. It's in a case metaphor you about life themes, and struggling through adulthood. Did you get it? Did you did catch you, that one? Did you get it? Did you did you figure that out? Did hey, you realize did you the... that the decisions you were making were order or chaos? This game is about sex. <laughs> did you know? Uh, I I do want to get something. All right, we're we're gonna get into the story of this. So if you wanna, if you don't want spoiled, like skip ahead to spoilers. This time frame right now. Right. I, I'm pointing as though we're doing a YouTube video of this, but we're not. The fuck it's just gonna doing? be audio that cuts in. Put those dumbass hands down, man. They're down. <laughs> They're down. All right. They're down. Once again, to avoid spoilers, skip ahead to one hour and one minute. Um, so this is a very cis hetero look at relationships and, and monogamy and, and everything like that. Uh, I, I want to get that, that out of the way right now is that like there, there even is apparently a, a trans character that isn't really presented as trans, which is great at first, but in one of the endings, they like straight up dead name the character and you find out they've been treated as male throughout the whole car- game, even though they, they are female, uh, so, so there are some issues with, uh, transphobic representation of one of the characters in the game. Only when you get one specific ending, it seems. Uh, but for, for the most part, the characters do treat them very fairly. Uh, they, they, you know, they identify them by their, their proper pronouns and everything throughout the game. Um, there's no real fuss made about, th- like, the character being trans or anything except for one specific ending that, that does, is a little problematic. Um, but it, it is a, this is a cis-hetero look at relationships and monogamy and stuff. So I, I, I want to like get that out of the way first because I, as I was playing through it, I, 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 I even recognized that not even knowing there was, there was these sort of transphobic mentions throughout the game or in one mention of the game. Um, and, and it was a little off-putting that it was so, so cis-hetero that like, uh, but yeah, anyways, <laughs> into the story. Uh, so much shit goes on in this game. So much shit. Uh, it's, it's a look at like love and relationships and what monogamy is and, and upward mobility of, of class and, and maleship in society and how we present that as like, nece- uh, relationships as a necessity of that and, and all kinds of shit. Uh, there's, there's tons of sheep metaphors. You're counting sheep. You're in the sheep in fucking, uh, I, the sleep. What is the name of the fucking? Uh, it's gonna bug you until you don't. You, I, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll look it up for you. Okay, I'm looking it up right now. Uh, the 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 name of the bar is called uh, the Stray Sheep. Mm-mm. The stray sheep. Oh yeah, yeah, there it is. The stray sheep. So, so there's lots of lots of talk of sheep. Stray sheep. You're counting sheep, following the herd. Like, it's fucking low. Like sheep. Men are sheep. That's that's what the game is saying. Like we we're a bunch of sheep. We follow society. We do what's told of us because we're men, and that's what we're supposed to do. Um. So so it's it's very heavy handed. Uh. It 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 does not downplay it at all. Like the developers clearly think that like men are boxed into a certain way of behaving in society and and we are we are 
supposed to follow this way. We are supposed to be one of the sheep. We're supposed to fall in love, get married, have children, like provide for our family. The, the game definitely presents this angle. Um, and then, so yeah, yeah. Men are sheep. Uh, the 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 blocks and puzzles <laughs> i i wrote in this before seeing the ending that like they seem to be representing upward mobility in society and the ties to like a monogamous hetero relationship and that the game presents the evils as cheating or wasting your significant other's time in a relationship uh like not wanting to commit and stringing them along and stuff but it it's never really cut and dry uh i guess in the end they explain that the blocks are a metaphor for growing up and getting into adulthood which i think is essentially the same thing just said a little less uh quasi philosophically whatever uh, <laughs> um but like the game the game never outright says cheating is bad it just presents it from a lens of like monogamy you know polyamory it's it's never even discussed or or mentioned in the game, which is really funny because, like, if everyone was just chill and, like, let's all just be polyamorous, they never would have had nightmares and struggles to begin with in this idea of growing up in society and a relationship, which I thought was very funny. Um, they, like, they, they never really clarify or address or talk about the rules of the nightmare and what exactly brings you into it. Uh, it just seems to be if you, if you are toying with your significant other in some sort of way uh be it not willing to commit to a relationship being it not you know being upfront and honest about everything going on in your life being it not uh you know not actually wanting to be in the relationship but sticking with it or or what have you that seems to be what brings you into this nightmare um which which raised a lot of questions about like the curse for me and like the ideas of cheating and like do, do cucks get the curse or is that like, is that okay? Because it's something reg, you know, decided upon in the relationship, you know, how, how is infidelity defined in this game? It's very open ended in this idea that like infidelity is just not being honest with your partner about what you're looking for in a relationship. I Which... don't know for sure if Catherine Fullbody addresses this at all. If, if it adds like a polygamy angle to it, but I do know that it adds a new girl. Okay. So, uh, her, her, and I think that the twist there is that she's Catherine with a Q. Quatherine. So yeah, like that, that is, and, and, and I think maybe that is the idea to get out of this game is that like infidelity isn't just cheating. Infidelity is not being honest with your partner about what you're looking for. And, and I, I think if that's what you come away from from the game, that's kind of what I came away w from with the game, is that, like, I, I think that's a very wholesome message to leave with, is that, like, just be honest in your relationships, and you won't be suffering an eternal curse in which if you die in your dreams, you die in real life. Like, I did want to address, uh, the last level gave some, like, unintended, like, it, it caused me to think about the game in a different light because of the Ludo narrative that it sets up. Uh, in the last level, you're running away with Catherine. Catherine is on the board with you, and you have to escape with her. At least in my ending. I, I don't know if this is the same for all endings. Uh, and, and it had this unintended effect of me just, like, getting so fucking frustrated with Catherine. Because, like, she, she took a second to listen to anything you said, um, which sounds like a fucking absurd sentence to say uh, <laughs> but it's a game and, where like every second counts because yeah, you're exactly. actively being you have to climb the staircase while things are chasing you yeah yeah things are chasing you and so like if you tell Catherine to stop she needs to stop and not move another block and then stop because then she gets fucking electrocuted and you have to restart the level over again and so this whole fucking time I'm sitting here 
like pissed off and frustrated at Catherine. Like I could finish this. I could beat this game if it weren't for this woman holding me back. Like, (laughs) so, so the ending of the game gave me this, like, like it it, it tore me because it was like, it was super unintentional. I'm pretty sure. But like Catherine was dragging me down and like, I could, I could have advanced. My upward mobility was stunted because I was in this relationship because I was stuck with Catherine. And had I just like abandoned Catherine, I would be further. I would get further in life. Like if I was alone and single and doing my own thing, I'd be great. But because I was stuck in this relationship with Catherine, because I was trying to make it work because we were trying to fight through this together, I was stunted. Like, I couldn't get past this last level because Catherine just kept dying. I think it's a metaphor that cooperation takes more work. (laughs) I think that's literally what it is. I think that's literally what the designer is telling you through gameplay. Yeah, but, like, it it also had the unattended, like, consequence of verifying... you hate her. (laughs) Yeah, of, like, like, uh, confirming... And it's probably just myself and my own beliefs in relationships and stuff, but, like, confirming this idea of, like, I will get farther alone. I don't don't need this. If I abandon this idea of being with someone, then then I don't have to ever worry about trying to figure out or make it work because I can just solve the puzzle by myself. Like, Catherine wasn't helping me solve the puzzle. Catherine wasn't contributing to the gameplay in any way. There There was no reason to stay with Catherine in this case. Everything was just saying, you can solve it on your own Catherine will be fine like (laughs) yeah well like is there any evidence that she would have died in that dream if if she would have died there like no like I mean other other than the sense that like everyone who's died in the dream has died in real life but like it 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 became this like issue of like is is bringing Catherine with me worth all the effort that it's taking like (laughs) I, I was gonna see, I was gonna mention that like the the director uh, Katsura Hashino has been known in the past to make some kind of iffy uh, statements about gender politics. Uh, just throughout like Persona three, four, and five, there's like a couple instances of like people uh, have talked about like body shaming or like uh, cross dressing stuff. Oh uh, yeah, it's it's very clear that like there there are some issues that the developer is dealing with themselves that they need to work out that like all the women are presented in a very specific manner in this game. Like it is all ideal like from a male lens like the ideal body type, the ideal kind of woman. Uh the the woman the one woman who is expressing herself as like confident and self-assured and like able to do her own thing is like kind of demonized throughout the whole game. Like you you cheat on her because like this is a, a a woman who isn't falling into the typical role of women in society and and she is being punished in this game throughout for it basically um it's it's wild like i i i think the developer has a lot you know women women are presented as like something that that need to be saved by men in this game kind of in a sense too that like you you are the the man is the one who's going through the trouble the man is the one experiencing the nightmares the man is the one who has to make the decisions and sacrifice and but the woman is just like w- women well women get married that's what women do it's the man who has to suffer and decide if they're going to spend their life with a woman or if they're going to be single and get to play it up you know it's it's a very and, and that's part of what i mean by it's presented from a very cis hetero lens is that like it, it it treats okay. David wants to say something, and I'm just rambling. Go. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just curious. Uh, I just had a question for you. Uh, would you say that this game is like, like with all of this being said, 
with all of the problems that we do have with like the sort of the the philosophical philosophical angle, would you say that it is still like a mature game or, or like a, a sort of interesting look at these politics? A hundred. Whether or not you agree with it, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I think that like that that me as a player, I w- I was trying to separate my slip like the the themes kept or the my my grievances with the themes of the game kept creeping in. But, uh, as a player, I, I was doing my best to sort of like ignore it and, and treat it as though just because the story was presented this way doesn't necessarily mean that's the way I have to consume it. And so I, 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 in, in, in my own perspective, in my own playthrough of the game, I, I was trying to treat things as, um, as less confined as the developers made it, you know, just because they present you with a male presenting character doesn't mean I have to conform to the idea that this is a a male character or whatever, or just because, you know, the, the, the developers presenting us with a, a cis hetero look at the relationship doesn't mean I have to conform to this idea that this applies only to cis hetero relationships and that others are, are invalid in a, in, in a sense of speaking. Um, so, so that is like, that is how I tried to play and experience the game and playing and experiencing the game, uh, with, with more nuance than the developer intended. I think, uh, it, it, it makes the themes and everything more universal and more accessible. And, and I, I found myself thinking about these, not even just applied to my, my love life, but like all my relationships in my life and that like what, the, the the themes and the ideas and what it talks about can be transcribed to way more than just cis hetero relationships that are presented in a problematic lens because of a developer that probably has some own issues in their life and past that they're dealing with, you know? Is it okay if I spoil a tiny bit of full body because I just yes. remembered something that actually is kind of huge about this? Absolutely. Okay, so the character that they add to the full body, and I'm looking at the wikipedia and it's kind of messing with me is rin and rin is named as a he in the wiki and i believe that they are a transgender character that that they present themselves as a woman but they they have they have parts and the game constantly refers to them as a male but they are an option for vincent to sleep with they are and they are in fact supposedly the calm to the storm like they are the calmest option out of all of them they're sort of like a male cross-dresser who's mistaken for a woman interesting Hmm. in order to fit society's expectations of what a man should be due to self being self-conscious of how others may treat him rin masquerades as a woman it is later revealed that rin is an alien okay wait Okay, that's into... problematic. Hold on, just that description, just that description of a man a trying to escape uh, the problems of society judging them so they pretend to be a woman is very problematic. Yeah, it is later revealed that Rin is an alien who transformed into a human to fulfill a mission explaining his androgynous appearance. Which is even his... weirder. Okay, his alien race has been mistaken by humanity as angels. Okay. Huh. 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 Interesting. Did we talk about the devil well, ending? No, I was just about to say that. While we're on the subject of angels and demons and shit, uh, th- th- this goes into like another issue I kind of had with the game in the the presentation that like anything that is not the sort of like monogamous, uh, 
I, I keep going back to it, but like cis hetero monogamous relationship is, is, is sin, is bad. It should be punished or whatever. Um, the, the game sort of presents it in this way. And that like, if you give up on Catherine, if you choose not to be in, if you choose not to get married, if you choose not to follow that path, if you choose to, to go with the, the floozy succubus, you, you end up as a demon in hell. Like you're happy, you're having a blast, but it still presents it in this sort of like, negative negative manner in that like you are the sinner like you 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 fell into sin you 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 did the the bad thing it, not it only are you a sinner you become the king of all sinners <laughs> yeah you're making out with Catherine on her fucking dad the devil's back basically <laughs> it's fucking it's one of the it's best so ending good. in video games it's I think, so actually. good i absolutely love it i i hate the implications of the ending um i i hate the idea that it seems to present anything that's non-monogamous as bad uh yeah. i I, I I don't like that implication, but the ending's fucking gold. It's funny as fuck. It's hilarious. It's fun. Um, it, I I would say if you're gonna play this game, get this ending because like fuck <laughs> manipulating Catherine into marrying you. Fuck being single. Like fuck the transphobic ending. Like just go party in hell. That's all we want, baby. Honest to God, it's the, it's the most wholesome ending. It it is it is the the ending that resonated the most with me, honestly, and that like. Like, like you can, you can break the confines of society. You can choose, you can choose freedom over law and order and, and have fun and be happy and enjoy your life. And like, like that, that, that is the point. Like relationships are what you need it to be. It's not some bullshit that like society tells us it is. It, it, it's what you need. It's what, it's what suits you. It's what's tailored to the individual. So like, just Whatever be works honest. Yeah, be honest, have honest communi- like conversations about what you need in a relationship, what you're looking for, what you want with your partner, and 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 do that. Like just do what's right for you, and that's what matters. Like you you don't need to get married. You can be polygamous. It fucking gender doesn't matter, you know, none of it matters. Like as long as you're being honest and communicating with each other, you won't be a sheep trapped in a hellish nightmare doomed to die because you you're conflicted with deciding what to do that's the eternal hell is just not knowing what to do <laughs> looking at my <laughs> massive library of steam games and indecision and I know is I'm the in real thing yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i i think i think get this game it's excellent it, it talks a lot about the traditional values of like marriage and relationships and it'll make you think it'll like honestly make you think about what you want out of a relationship and it'll it, it, it emphasizes the idea of communicating that with your significant other, you know, don't waste each other's time. Like make sure you're on the same page, make sure you're doing what's right for both of you. And the, the story is, is presented from like a cis hetero lens. And there, there's some transphobic ideology that's, that's in there. And, and I hate that. I, and I, I don't like recommending a game that like has those values in it. Um, but I, I, I think, fuck the developer, right? Take from this game what you want. Like who, you know, it, 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 it's, it's in a sense supporting that sort of ideology. But like, I, I think there's also something charming about like taking their work and being like, ha ha, fuck you. I'm applying this to my, uh, my relationship, even though you didn't want that bitch. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Or, there. or at the very least, like watch the cutscenes on YouTube. Like, oh, it's a fucking good movie. It's a good movie. Yeah. Like, if you don't want to support the developer, watch the cutscenes on YouTube. Pirate this shit. Like, that's an even bigger fuck you. 
<laughs> and, and I mean, like the cutscenes, they do play out like an anime. Uh, oh, a hundred percent. It it is like it it is dead ass an anime with just like gameplay in between the scenes. It, it, if they cut out the intros and outros of an anime and made you solve a puzzle instead, that's what this game is. <laughs> Hell yeah, I'm into it. You even get to play uh, the little thing in the arcade too. The practice. Yeah, exactly. In the arcade game that's the exact same game as the regular game, but 120 levels and gives you some other bonus shit if you beat it. <laughs> which is which is why the game says it takes 20 hours or 80 hours if you complete everything because you can beat the game four times within the game basically. But hopefully, hopefully this developer grows and learns and becomes more inclusive about their viewpoints and their ideas and creates a game that presents these sort of themes to a more universal audience. I, I think there is a lot that they can evolve from that and that evolution would be legendary. So this next game is a game about growth and about, uh, just kind of just layering of new kinds of things. I'm trying to avoid the word generation so I can just completely avoid the segue you gave me out of spite. Uh, it's developed by <laughs> Shiro Games. Uh, Shiro Games also made Darksburg Going Rogue, which is a procedurally generated co-op roguelike, and Northgard, which you might have heard of. It was given away for free on the Epic Games Store a while ago. It is a Norsemith-inspired strategy game. So this is a actually uh, a le the legendary edition is two games it's evil land one and evil land two contained in a single package that wasn't obvious to me when i was looking at it initially uh just because they do have their own like individual steam pages as well for evil land one and two and all of the guides for them are on those pages so if you were like stuck you you should go over to those pages instead of like the legendary editions guides because there's nothing there uh, but both of these are generation-spanning RPGs that play off of tropes from games like Final Fantasy, Dragon Quest, Diablo, Zelda, and a whole lot more. Uh, this is this bundle's version of the Hex and Horus, the, the, the everything game that tries a little bit of everything, and maybe doesn't succeed at everything 100%, but it tries real hard at everything, and it does do a lot. It gives you a lot of different variety. Uh... This ha it flips between rapidly between like uh active time battle, turn based combat, it has like traditional Zelda gameplay, uh Diablo style hack and slash, and uh, even has like shmup segments. Uh the first game is super light compared to the second game. It's like five hours versus like uh fifteen to twenty five hours to play and complete. The first one very similar to me to a game that I played called DLC Quest, which is this little $3 game uh, that, like, the main mechanic is that you unlock mechanics by buying DLC in the game, uh, which is it's such a neat little novel idea, and this game kind of riffs off of that by, like, every single chest that you grab gives you a new basic game function like the ability to walk left or right or have basic sound effects, music, uh, stuff like that. And then it gets progressively uh, more and more crazy in the first game as you start unlocking, like, newer graphic styles. Uh, you unlock, like, Mode 7 art for the overworld. Uh, and then eventually you unlock, like, 3D art and stuff like that. And then eventually you get the ability to transport in between the two different dimensions. And you have to solve puzzles uh, involving, like, burning down a shrub when it's young so that it 
doesn't have to, like doesn't become a tree when uh, you go back into the future, uh, and you can walk past that area, uh, stuff like that. It, it it's really fun, and there's also this side collecting thing where you can collect stars. That I don't know what happens if you collect all the stars, but I'm sure something happens. And then there's also these cards that you can collect, which there's an in-game card game, and any game with an in-game card game is a good game. So uh, in the first game, there's this guy who you can challenge uh, to fight, and you have to beat him on every single difficulty level in order to uh, win. And you have to basically do this thing where you capture cards based on where you capture, place them down. It's sort of like war, but you have to get like better and better cards, and it's placed on a tic-tac-toe grid. Uh, then the other one in Evoland 2 is uh, this sort of version of like magic almost, where you have, like, two different lanes, like a front lane and a back lane for each player, and uh, each turn, uh, the back lane, which is sort of like a ranged lane, shoots uh, to the front lane uh, of the opponent opposing player, and then the front lanes collide, and uh, they, all, they do damage to each other, and the objective is to make the other person uh, lose their health by swinging at them without uh, a creature behind them, if that makes sense. Uh... It's super simple and easy to understand once you get into it, uh, and you can challenge just about any character in the overworld to a match, which was really funny after I That's discovered so <laughs> a guard who had just been attacked in the mines, and I could still challenge him to a duel even though he was laying on the ground bleeding to death, <laughs> which that filled me with a little bit of joy. Uh, I enjoyed that. Yeah, so the first game, uh, you know, it's, you unlock everything, and, uh, it's got a very basic story. The characters feel pretty plastic and not really important. Uh, like, one of them doesn't even ask for your name for, like, a really long time, and then you finally get your name when you enter a dungeon and she asks for your name. Uh, then, like, that same character ends up dying and you're supposed to feel horrible, and it's like, I feel nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, so it, 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 it's, that's playing off of, like, the killing your, your healer trope that, like, a lot of games do where, you know, they, they make you love your healer because they're the character that you rely on for most of the game and then they die and it's like, no, what, what do I do now? Uh, but it's all just in service of, like, making the male protagonist stronger, uh, killing the female healer. It's like, come on. So that was the first game. The second game it has a lot more to it. Uh, it's the reason why we're a little bit late uploading this podcast, because it, 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 it had a lot more to it than I was expecting, and I kind of didn't even realize that there were two whole games here for me to play. <laughs> so the second one, if the first game is like DLC Quest, where it's kind of tongue-in-cheek all the time, never takes itself 100% seriously, the second one almost feels more like Chrono Trigger, where it's trying way more to have a cohesive story with characters that are interesting and narrative arcs and themes, that actually are like trying to go someplace, it doesn't let go of the self-referential humor or the just in general referential humor. Uh, I'd say that this game is just chock full of references to other things in ways that like is not always good. It'll just <laughs> like a character will just be like bring me up, Scotty, and like that does nothing for me. It doesn't make me laugh. It, it makes me go, why are they saying this? Does Star Trek exist in this world? <laughs> Why are, like, like, how do they understand? It exists for no one other than for me playing the game that understands the references and goes, got it. I know that one. And that's not like humor to me. It's just sort of 
I don't know. It, like, uh, another example of it is, like, it's really cute, this one segment where you have to name your character something when you enter an arena and you have to give a fake name. And each one of the names is, like, a riff off of a Nintendo character. But the one that I chose was Mega Clink, as in Mega Man, combined with the name of the protagonist from the first game. So it's literally only funny, even the slightest bit, if you had already played the first game. Otherwise, you see that and you're like, what the fuck is Clink? <laughs> so, I, I, you know, a lot of that makes me kind of question the, the integrity of the writing, because there are moments that legitimately made me laugh, that are funny on their own as good bits. But, like, so much of it is referential that, like, it makes me question it. But, I mean, like, there are some really funny references. Like, there's this one part where, like, you're exploring a laboratory, and you find a bunch of specimens. Like, you find Mew, and you find the alien creature from Alien, and uh, a, a bunch of other fun stuff. It's, it's like, it's a little jarring, but it's still pretty funny, and it's a good gag. Uh, I just wish that it relied less on pop culture references for all of its humor. Uh, but to get into the spoiler territory, especially for the second game here, so skip ahead to if you want to uh, avoid that. Oh look, another spoiler. To avoid it, go to 1 hour, 17 minutes, and 57 seconds. Uh, it is revealed that the protagonist, uh, after a certain point, was actually like responsible for uh, a massive game-changing event where like in the future there's a giant crater and uh it basically consumed like a massive part of the map that uh is right next to a city called Genova and that city suddenly becomes like a post-apocalyptic trader town where they specialize in just trying to market and sell things produced off of this smog called smug that comes off of the the crater which uh, surely must be like some radioactive garbage or something uh, because the game makes a lot of references to the fact that you really shouldn't be, like, wearing these things or, like, putting them too close to yourself while, like, putting them on your person. Uh, but the, the protagonists, they were responsible for that. They, they, they were the one who did it. And you see it happen in the course of the game. You cause it to happen, but then, like, in this critical moment, like, somebody else takes over your character, and then they walk over and, like, flip the switch and then explode everything. Yeah. And it's not explained yet why they did that, so I'm curious, like, I want to play the game to find out, like, why my protagonist had this, like, sudden change of heart, or why they are, like, two-sided in some way. Uh, so, so that makes me really interested in it. And there are also other things that are really exciting now that the game is starting to open up to me, like, fifth, ten or so hours into this game, uh, that, like, I can now start, hopefully, traveling between, like, the future, the present, and the past. And, um... Maybe even going to, like, a further ancient present, because the game starts off in, like, a Game Boy tutorial zone, and so I would not be surprised if it sent me back another 50 years and let me play in, like, a prehistory. All of a sudden, you're in Alt-254. <laughs> no, literally! Like, the, the opening of the game starts out the same way that the first game starts out, where you have to learn to press, like, left and right and then go up and down, but it's all in, like, a, a olive green Game Boy-type text. So it's all, like, really chunky pixels and stuff like that. Looks like it's on, like, a Game Boy LCD, practically. Uh, it's really, really fascinating. Because, like, it uses the idea of different console generations oh, as more of a thematic idea of skipping literal generations in time. Like, every console generation that you go forward, whether it's, like, the, the prehistory, which looks sort of like NES, 
the present, which looks sort of like SNES, or the 50 years in the future that looks uh, sort of like a GameCube title, sort of like Crystal Chronicles or something like that, then you... Wait, where was I going with that? I well, I think the conversation was about, and I think what you're getting at is that idea of that, like this town has developed through the generations of gaming. Not yes, so because of that, you actually get to see literal different generations growing up in each cycle, and maybe like one or two characters are actually old enough to carry on between each generation, to so that you actually see them between the two. Like one character in the prehistory that I found, he had like this grass puzzle. Where he's like, you can only cut four blades at a time, and if you find my special item, then I'll give it to you. And so I did that, and I just kept doing it over and over again until I found the thing. And then when I found it, he was like, how did you find my thing? I I hit it so well. And then 50 years later, I went back to that spot, and he was sitting right next to where I found it, and he's like, I still can't believe you found my thing. <laughs> and like moments like that actually made me really enjoy the humor of it. You know, like, that's a really funny moment. It's that idea of that, like, if each console generation was like, oh, Game Boy was our renaissance. And then, like, uh, Xbox was our was our industrial era. And then, like, na- now we're at, at Xbox One, which is, you know, post-industrial or whatever information era. Yeah, it would make sense for GameCube to be the post-apocalypse because it didn't really sell that well. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of things that you can do throughout the game, uh, like, there's a plane that you get in the future that I believe you can go back and give to an inventor and have him invent the plane, and then suddenly you go back into the future, and now I bet everything is gonna be, like, everybody has a plane, like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Uh, and, uh, there's also, like, this whole demon subplot, where, like, there's this whole group of people that have been ostracized and are basically enslaved, uh, after a certain point, uh, in the war that ends, like, in the prehistory, and then, uh, in, like, the post-day, they're all dead and gone and killed from, like, the explosion that happened. Uh, and so you're trying to basically go back and prevent a demon genocide because you, like, have one of them that joins your party and he tries to help you and, like, convince you that they're all, they're all good. In that sense, I mean, like, I don't know. It's still, I, I was gonna say that it dodges the, the racism theory, but now that I think about it, the fact that they, they made, like, the, 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 the black people and allegory, literal demons, doesn't actually, with, with like physical bodily strength that out, outpowers most humans, doesn't really like, and also like they live longer. Oh, I don't know. why do developers have to be so subtly problematic? Yeah, they have to be, they have to be just, just the, the subtle problematic. Just, just the slightest. Just, 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 the oh, slightest just, just enough to make a really good game kind of shitty to recommend. Yeah, just a little, just a little iffy to recommend. Uh, but I, I definitely feel like you can get easily absorbed into the, the second game. First one is easy to skip, but it's so delightful and easily finishable in, like, one evening that, like, it's kind of hard to say, like, skip that one, because, like, you can complete it, like, 100% it. One evening, probably. Five hours, six hours, that's all it would take. Um, but, like, you know, in, 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 the, in the card stuff, I feel like I can get really absorbed into that and, like, trying to collect every single card by, like, defeating every single opponent in the land and getting their card. Uh, like, there's something very enjoyable about that. So for any person who's, like, a, a long-time fan of video games, especially who who's really nostalgic for old-school RPGs, uh, then this will probably be something that you would really enjoy. Uh, overall, it's a good package, especially with 1 and 2. There's a lot of content here that'll keep you very busy. Uh, it's just one of those that, like, I, I think I might finish it in my, my spare time, but... 
I, I don't know. It's one of those that, like, I'm not super excited about recommending. It's really good. I think that you should play it, but I don't know. Should we blast through the rest of this since we're on, like, an hour and a half on this recording already? We'll trim it down, but yeah, dog. Hell yeah. Let's do it. All right. Well, uh, I played the extra. It was the Cardo demo. It was really good. It was by Sunhead Games. Uh, they also did the swords and a ride into the mountains. It was a unique puzzle game. A very, very small look at the game that gives you a feel for the mechanics and gameplay. <laughs> okay. Uh, now that all that bullshit's out of the way. Um, the, the main mechanic. <laughs> The main mechanic is uh, you get map tiles and you can rotate the map tiles and move them around to build the map. And so you can like pick up the piece that you're on and move it somewhere else and drop it or switch other pieces around so that you can get access to areas of the map and stuff. Uh, it's super cool. Uh, I, I really like the mechanic. Your placement is what solves the access to, like, new areas and stuff. Like, you get a puzzle where the, one of the characters is like, oh, my house is located east of this area. So you have to pick up the map and move it to the east of that area and drop it, and then it, like, unlocks their house and other characters you can interact with. So it's a, it's a really cool mechanic. I think it's really well done. Um, and it's a cute little game about, like, homogeneously living together with, like, various cultures, and there's, like, all these ideas about... Uh, what, what is our culture and, and what, what are our traditions and should we continue to like, uh, ascri ascribe to those traditions even if they're like dated, you know, there's, there's all these little themes and ideas of like culture and, and living in a society, which is a weird thing to say. We as live a in theme, a society. Like, yeah, that's the theme. <laughs> um, and like, and, and growing up and it's kind of a coming of age story, it seems to. Um, it, it, it gave me enough to want to explore it more, but like the lack of seeing other mechanics that could be potentially included in the game, uh, it left me a little concerned that like the focus and this one like mechanic is going to wear off pretty quickly once it loses its novelty. Cause it's, it's just like picking up squares and rotating them in the end. Um, but it, it's fun. It's unique. It seems like a solid pickup when it releases. I, I'd say play the demo, see what you think of it, and it comes out on like October twenty seventh. And if you like, if you like the demo, then pick it up. It's probably going to be pretty cheap. I don't know. My guess would be like five bucks. It's like a five hour game. It, they say in the in the description. So it seems like a cute little fun adventure. I think five or ten dollar game seems like a lot of fun. Yeah, that's it. We did everything. My game of the month. I, I hate to recommend it just because of like the problematic nature of the game, but Catherine was good. Like the gameplay's fun, it's engaging, it keeps you focused and, and makes you think, and the 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 themes that it presents are really interesting. Barring and ignoring all of the the other bullshit that that comes with it. I'll tell you, uh, I was ready to give it to to the Evil Land Legendary Edition. Uh, until there was one segment in the first game where there's a there's a loading screen in a city arbitrarily uh, that's supposed to be like reminiscent of uh, Final Fantasy VII, and, and there's a an, an an item that you can get called the DVD reader that gets rid of the loading screens, which means that they are 100% arbitrary and not necessary. And because of that, I'm giving it to Lethal League again. <laughs> I like Lethal League; it's really good. But Evil Land is also good. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think it was a solid bundle in general. My, my friend said in chat that any developer who has adds fake loading screens should burn in hell. <laughs> <laughs> I've been playing some Forger, some Binding of Isaac, Dreamscape, Among Us, you know, just some casual like roguelikes and stuff lately. What about you? I've been playing Among Us too. I played that a little bit for stream, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. Uh, I also got to play some Magic the Gathering with my bro. 
I'm, I'm making <laughs> some decks, and uh, yes. maybe I'm going to start attending Magic Mondays starting soon. Yes, TM, coming soon. Magic Mondays and Community Night Fridays. Mm-mm. Come join for some fun streams. Uh, fun Fridays and Magic Mondays. Uh, the charity this month is the same as it is, International Medical Corps. Super cool. Check them out if you haven't yet. Some other free games. We were looking at Rocket League is completely free on the Epic Game Store until, like, what, October 26th or something crazy? Yeah, so, and you get a $10 coupon when you redeem it. Yeah, that's dope. So they're <laughs> literally paying you to download this game right uh, now. Football Manager 2020. Also, equally incredible. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's available for free on the Epic Game Store this week. I really, I really hope the whole, the whole of Football Manager 2020 is just trying to like manage the league protesting and empty stands because of COVID. <laughs> but I highly doubt it is. <laughs> they made it all before 2020. Don't you know that's how they released these games? They released this isn't, this, in 2019. this is not an accurate look at football in 2020. <laughs> No, they don't have fucking future vision. They don't know what's up. We, the only way we can play football anymore, and by the way, this is soccer football, not American football, is <laughs> 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 by literally going and watching virtual avatars play the game or just watching spreadsheets. That's equally as good. Speaking of watchdogs. Oh wait, speaking of, oh, I fucked up that, I fucked up that segue I was up, trying man. to make. Speaking of watching, Watch Dogs 2 is also free on the Epic Game Store. Wow, look at that. Oh my gosh. And stick it to the man is there on the Epic Game Store. Wow. Uh, we'll have, we'll have a link to the GameSpot article as always. Uh, is there a question? Same question applies. Like, what's your favorite bug you've encountered in a video game? I had to think about this for a while, actually, and I did come up with one. So, my favorite bug is the bug that I experienced on release day in the PlayStation 3 version of Skyrim, uh, where the dragons, as I would walk towards them, would fly backwards away from yes! me. Yes! It so made good. the game so uncompletable, good. but my memory of a completely broken game on release day, playing it like I was expecting to play the next big thing this is the game to end the rest of games and i can't even beat the main storyline because the dragon is flying away from me like he's afraid of my tiny little bronze bow he's running for his life in fear of me i could a level two kajit <laughs> it's like i felt so powerful but also so helpless so yeah that that's my favorite i have an outro bit you ready well what's your bit yeah, hit me with it. Will David and Johnny get your subscription on Patreon? Will you subscribe to their Discord? Will you join them on Twitter? Find out next time on The Bundle Bourgeoisie. Oh, oh, delightful, delightful <laughs> chap. It's so wonderful. Oh, oh my word. Oh, I'm telling the missus I'm writing home immediately. <laughs> okay, alright, we're done. We're done with this. The show is over. <laughs> Goodbye. It's not a time. We love you all. <laughs>
thank God I hadn't ripped my rip it yet, because if I had, then I would have gotten sticky rip it juice everywhere all over my keyboard, because this mic kept falling over fucking everything. <laughs> that is the story of my life, sticky rip it juice on everything. Yeah, so it has a, a leather jacket over there keeping it down, and I have it strategically placed so that the long arm is uh, also directly below, like, one of the three legs, so it's supporting it uh -huh. fully. I will just say this. You do have a bag hanging on your door handle that you could probably hang on that and put a couple books in there to counterbalance it. Whatever fucking genius. I, I don't need your help. <laughs> <laughs> Stop fixing my life with easy to implement solutions, Johnny. It makes me feel like a dumbass. <laughs> I'm just here for you, babe. We, we complete each other. <laughs>